This is the Well, Well, Well podcast with Cassandra and Britt, episode 50, How to Pause Purchase Impulse with Shira Gill. It's episode 50. Woohoo! We have such a treat for you today. One of our most favorite guests ever is back with us again, Shira Gill. And she gave us a peek into her brain and also a peek into her new book. Oh my gosh, so excited about this. And she gave us all of this in this episode so that we could be more inspired to shop intentionally, give better gifts, declutter our minds and our homes, and so much more. She gave us so many great questions to ask ourselves and also some really good thoughts. She gave us such great insight on how to catch ourselves before we make impulse purchases. And this is info that you don't want to miss. Shira's mission is to inspire people to clear physical and mental clutter so that they can reduce their environmental footprint, create space for what they truly care about, and live lives more aligned with their core values. You guys are going to love it. Well, 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 welcome to season two of the podcast. We can't think of anything better than conversations with our friends about all the wellness. Let's chat about what the gurus are saying and enjoy a bev while we're at it. We aren't experts, but we are your friends, and we are here with you. We are so glad you joined us. Okay, hello everybody. We are so excited today. We have Shira Gill with us on the show. Shira is a life coach. She's a professional organizer, and she's newly an author on minimalism. She has a book coming out very soon, and we're so excited about it. If you missed Shira's original episode with us, it is a must listen. It's episode 10 and it's definitely a fan favorite. We have both taken Shira's organizing courses and we can both vouch for her superpower of helping people clarify and hone in on what they value most. She's really amazing. So can't wait to talk to you today, Shira. Well, thank That was such a sweet intro. Thank you so much. Yes. Well, first, should we talk about your bevy? Yeah. I'm like, so I'm so waiting for your bevy here because last time Shira was drinking water with a little lemon in it. Shira, what do you have for us today? So boring. Well, you guys, so you got me, which I was just telling you my favorite gift anyone's ever given me, which is the best cup ever. Uh, the Stanley, I don't know. You tell me what it's called. It's the best 40 ounce adventure quencher or something like that. Okay. It is it is stylish. It is white. It has a handle. It has a straw. It fits in the car cup holder, but it's so I have water. (laughs) I have water, but I prepared a more fun answer of the bevy that I buy when I'm out and about, which is, I have discovered the joy of the iced matcha latte with oat milk. Oh yeah, <laughs> this is my thing. Oh, you're right up my alley. So I wanted to be like you. So I did the same thing today with ice water, but also this morning I had a matcha. I had mine hot today, but I've been nice. making my matchas. Sometimes I'll make like two in the morning. I'll have one hot and then I'll put the other one in like a Mason jar in the fridge. And then oh. I can like shake it up later and drink yeah, it. Ice. So, yeah. I have yet to figure out how to make my own and it's like a $7 beverage. So it's a real, it's a real investment beverage. <laughs> no, I know. I actually made a reel on it today. Yeah. That's we'll so funny. You say it. that because she's <laughs> like, everybody asks me how to make the matcha. I'm like, Oh, including me. I, <laughs> I will be watching that reel. Yeah. yeah. Cause that's my real, I'm not a coffee drinker. I don't like tea. I'm very boring. I mean, I enjoy a hot cocoa. I'm like a child. 
So yeah, water. I chug water all day long and now I chug it in my favorite cup. Thanks to you. Well, it's very in line with who you are. Yes, we like it. <laughs> I guess it's a minimalist beverage. Okay, so yeah. Shira, you're going to just die when you see what I have today. Because I said, this is the most unshira thing <laughs> I've ever drinking. My husband went to Costco and got the holiday edition plastic solo cups. Yeah. So I'm halfway between a work party and a sorority. <laughs> I don't know it's like a frat here. party cup. <laughs> But I have my Creo brew in here, which is a, it's like a coffee alternative. It has tons of antioxidants and stuff like that in it. And it doesn't give you like buzzy mm. feelings like coffee does, but it's, it does give you energy. It's made oh, that's good. Bean. Yeah. It's made with the, with the cocoa bean. Oh, yeah. And, um, I mixed it today with Trader Joe's has maple flavored oat milk. Ooh. Yeah. And so I did a splash of that and it is. Pro tip. Um, I like it. Other than this <laughs> disgusting vessel I have it in. <laughs> so good. What you're drinking sounds amazing though. Yeah, it yeah. is. I'd be, <laughs> I love a maple anything this time of year, especially like maple just sounds so good. I know. And it's still iced because it's, you know, 85 degrees outside or something. <laughs> Winter in California. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So Shira, tell us about yourself today, as well as a little bit about your backstory. Your backstory is really fascinating. So give us. Oh, well, yeah. So let's see my backstory. Basically, I was born and raised in uh, San Francisco. So I grew up in the Bay Area. I had kind of hippie liberal parents who were always telling me that material things were rubbish and that life is about travel and people and relationships and contribution. So I really grew up with that kind of minimalist philosophy, I suppose, but I always liked pretty things. And so (laughs) I was a little different from my parents in that I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm into people and relationships and all the things, but I also like style and fashion and interior design. So I was always kind of trying to figure out how to balance those two things. I never, you know, described myself as a minimalist or thought of myself that way until I got pregnant. And when I got pregnant with my first daughter, there really was so much pressure to buy all the things and get on the gift registries and you need this swing and that swing and this stroller and that. And it was so overwhelming to me that I think I kind of decided when I was pregnant that I wanted to be a minimalist and that I wanted to be a minimalist mom and kind of resist all of that noise and that pressure. So that's really how my business was born is that other moms started asking me, why does your home not look like a preschool exploded? And mine does. And I just started kind of telling people in my women's groups and my mom's groups, this is what I do. And this is how I do it. And I was encouraged to start a business. Part of my backstory is that I was laid off from my event planning job when I was eight months pregnant. And so I had to figure out what am I doing (laughs) career-wise. And so it really kind of organically happened with me figuring out that minimalism was kind of the answer for me as a mom to simplify my life and not feel so overwhelmed teaching other moms. And so I launched a business as a new mom with a baby with the idea that I would help other moms. And then it kind of quickly grew and developed to, you know, helping all of the people with all of the things, but that's really how my business was born. That's so cool. And now what are you doing with that? Like specifically? 
Yeah. So now, I mean, since then, so it's been 12 years since I started my, you know, scrappy little business with like a, my first website and no business plan. I ended up getting certified through the life coach school in 2016 and started kind of combining principles of life coaching with minimalism, with home organizing. And so I did full service home organizing for about 10 years. Then I scaled my business by creating these programs that, that you guys have taken So I started with the closet makeover program, which was really about kind of curating a capsule wardrobe and getting out from under all of the clothing clutter. And then I did an office program and a kitchen program and a clutter-free with kids program and a get organized masterclass. So I have all of these programs and I love teaching live workshops as well. And now I have my new book, Minimalista which I'm so excited about. And the book really breaks down my entire process and toolkit and everything that I've learned over my lifetime, really, but you know, my 12 year career to help people learn how to edit and organize and style their homes, their lives, their wardrobes, one small step at a time. I think that's like the thing that I appreciate so much about what you do. Cause when people hear minimalism, I think they think of like your brother, right? Isn't it? Yes. He only wears the same shirt and pants. All yes. Black. My brother can like actually fit all of his items in a backpack, but yeah. clear, like he has no kids. His life <laughs> totally different than mine, but he is the real deal. Whereas I'm a minimalist who loves things, right? And so it's just having those boundaries and figuring out how to live in a way that takes the overwhelm out, but still lets you indulge in all of the things that you love. Yeah. And I think when you think of minimalism, you might think of like being restricted, right? But really what I think your approach is, is it's not that at all. A hundred percent better choices. Like you say, right? Yes. So I think minimalism has really become sort of a dirty word. Like I feel like people recoil in fear when they hear that word. And I have to explain like, no, no, no. Minimalism is just about figuring out the right amount for you. Like the perfect amount of things for you, where you feel like you've got everything you need. You've got everything you love but none of the clutter, none of the noise, none of the distraction. And that amount is really different for everybody. So I have clients who live in massive mansions that take up city blocks. I have clients who live in studio apartments and want to be really pared down and everything in between. So, you know, my process in the book really is about helping you identify like, who are you? What do you care about? What's important in your life? And how can we have your home and your wardrobe reflect that and support that? That's really the goal. Yeah. Don't you feel like, I feel like the name of the book, the title that you chose is so perfect too, because in one word, you're like, oh, I got it. It's like a minimalist, but also it still has like a little diva or like a little little feminine. Yeah. It's a little like wink at fashionista, which is great. It is. It's a wink at fashion. It's just gorgeous. The book, we wouldn't expect anything else. We read it and we were just like taking notes. Just you really have such an approachable way and your writing is exactly the same. So Oh, thanks. I'm actually going to talk about an excerpt from the book right now because there are so many good moments and we really could have just literally gone page by page, but (laughs) on page seven of your book, we grabbed a quote that we thought like very much so elevates the idea of getting organized from just a mundane household task 
situation. And instead of that approach, it's more like your important life work. Like it's really something to honor. So you said organizing a home could also be an opportunity to clarify and realign with larger life goals and values. Additionally, the more I worked with people, the more I saw that bigger issues often lurked beneath the clutter, shame, guilt, loss, and trauma, and that the process of editing and organizing a home could also be an opportunity to clarify and realign with larger life goals and values. I was just like, okay, wow. I bet that is so true. I bet that as you have helped people, you have really uncovered so much and for sure the life coaching skills that you have, have helped you do that for people. So do you have any examples of where you've seen people work through their personal issues as they declutter and kind of open themselves up to new opportunities and mindsets because they decluttered their home? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that's why my work has been so endlessly stimulating and interesting to me is because it goes so far beyond like putting things in pretty boxes. It really is more about figuring out who you are and what you care about. So that's always where I start with clients. And what we uncover is it's always surprising and interesting with each person. So I can give you a few examples. Like I worked with one woman who was a mom of two. She had a pretty intense shopping habit. And so she just kept shopping and having the Amazon boxes and the Nordstrom bags. And she felt like she was drowning. And so when we started working together, what we figured out is prior to becoming a mom, she had been a high powered attorney and she had stepped away from her career to raise her two boys And what she realized is she just felt kind of lost in herself and her kids. When I met her, they were teenagers, they were independent. She had kind of raised them beautifully and just felt kind of lost and lonely and empty. And so she was using shopping to fill that void. And so once we really figured that out, I challenged her to go on a purchase pause for a month while we were working together. So she stopped buying entirely and she was able to really realize that what was happening is she was like filling this sad place within herself. Mm. And what she realized when she stopped shopping is that she missed her career and she wanted to go back to work. And so we ended up kind of decluttering her home, shifting her perspective about the purpose of stuff in her life. And she realized that like, once she had a career to be excited about again, and something to engage in, she didn't have that shopping impulse anymore because there wasn't that like pain point to have to address all the time with shopping. So that's just one example. I mean, there've been many of you know, I think a lot of people really do feel a lot of shame about their homes and really like normal, healthy, high functioning, successful people that they feel like things have just gotten out of whack and out of control to the point where they don't want to host playdates for their kids, or they don't want to host the holiday party. And so identifying that compelling why of like, why do you want to get organized? Why do you want to declutter when people can really latch onto something really significant. Like I want to be the mom who can host the playdates and do that for my kids. Then it's this huge motivation to get rid of things and let things go. And so I have seen people really shift their social lives by shifting their home. That's been really amazing to see. Wow. 
Yeah. And in your book and here too, you've been mentioning the noise and you've described that as a new mom, you talk about it in your book and as it pertained to like the people around you offering you gadgets and gizmos and all of these different things for your new baby. So can you tell us a little bit more about that experience? What did the noise look like? What did those noisy experiences feel like to you? Yeah. I mean, it felt a little bit like I was drowning with other people's <laughs> opinions. <laughs> so, you know, when you, I, I was the first of my friends to get pregnant, even though I was, I was 32 when I got pregnant, but none of my friends had had babies. I didn't really know, like there was no blueprint for what does this look like? And suddenly I just had all of these women in my life, everyone from like the store clerk to even like in-laws or grandparents and people saying, well, you, you've got to have this and this and this, and you've got to make sure to have this. And this is the best of this. And it just felt like I couldn't find my own voice because I had never been a mom before. I didn't really know, like, how are you supposed to be prepared to have a kid? And so I really had to work to kind of separate myself out from all of this pressure. I remember going to this really beautiful baby store called Giggle. I don't think it exists anymore, but they handed me a typical baby registry. And I think it was like 12 pages and I was so overloaded. And we lived in a small apartment at the time, my husband and I, so it was like, where is all of this stuff going to go? Like, it just didn't make any sense. So I had to kind of take a pause and, and, and really connect with myself again and think about what kind of mom do I want to be? What kind of house do I want to have? And, and what helped me the most was just getting back to my values, thinking about, well, I just want to be a loving mom and I want to be a fun mom. And that doesn't really require a lot of stuff. And my own mom was really helpful because she, I remember (laughs) said to me, she had kind of an intervention and she said, listen, All that a baby needs is food and a warm place to sleep and love from their parents. That is it. Like they don't need the toys and the this and the that and the five different mobiles. And so that really helped me to kind of cut through that clutter as well. Just having like another voice of reason to say, you don't have to do it the way everyone else is doing it. Mm. It's so cool to hear you say it like that. Cause it's like, you're being handed a list of things from a professional of here's what you need. Yeah. And then somebody's going like, uh, what if you just toss that out? And what right. if you just like really pare down to like what actually matters for survival and then go from there? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and and, and not- I remember like for my wedding registry, my husband and I, it was the same deal with like going to Crate and Barrel and all the stores that are like, here are all the things you need now that you're getting married. And we ended up getting like ridiculous things that we had no need. Like we didn't need a panini press and we didn't need like, you know, all of these gadgets that we got because we just were like, okay, I guess this is what you do when you get married. So I think we had also learned that lesson from getting married, doing the registry thing and realizing like we literally need like 10% of these things for our actual lives. So I, I like that you're giving some other examples too, of like where this can apply. And I think, okay, maybe you're getting married. Maybe you're having a baby. Maybe your kids are grown and like you're watching what happens at birthday parties and what you're supposed to give a kid for a birthday party or what a birthday party should look like. Or maybe with the holidays coming up, it's like, this is 
what you do and you should have stockings like this and gifts like this. And there is such just like, depending on where you live and what your circle looks like, there's going to be noise, right? Oh yeah. How so it's and so <laughs> you've done so much work being a life coach with the whole thought model. And we talk about the thought model a lot because we can see how so often, whatever you're thinking is what's translating into your results. Mm-hmm. And so we're kind of curious, like you basically took, you were able to kind of see what everybody else was telling you and then create something totally different for yourself, even though that wasn't really the social norm. Yes. So like, how did your thought model about what you needed and didn't need differ from the people around you? Like what was Ooh, the, yeah, that's such a good question. So I think probably my thought kind of the aha moment was I get to do things my way, according to my values. And I think then that made me feel kind of liberated. And then, you know, so then the actions that I took were just deciding what's meaningful to me and why, and kind of standing behind my own reasons. Whereas I think the thoughts that I see a lot of people having, it's all shoulds. It's all like, well, aren't I supposed to do it this way? Or what will my mother-in-law say if dot, dot, dot. And so I think for me, the thought was really simple. It was just like, I'm going to make my own rules and it's okay. Like that was it. (laughs) Okay. So, so again, let's plug, let's plug that in for the holidays, right? Let's plug that in instead of all the shoulds. Let's And every time you catch yourself doing a should, like that might just be a really quick thing that we can all catch ourselves on. As soon as we hear ourselves going down the should route, be like, wait, I get to make the rules. I get to make my own rules and it can be fun and liberating. And I think everybody, you know, I always think like the really fun thing about being an adult is you get to do what you want. You know, like I remember being a kid and being like, oh, I want to make my own rules and I can't. But now as an adult, I think we forget sometimes that we are in the driver's seats of our own lives. And we get to decide, like, you don't have to buy anybody a gift. You that's fine. You could decide that. Like my husband and I don't buy each other gifts for the holidays. We go on trips and it's fine. Right? Like that's what we've decided we want to do. And I think it's also allowing other people to have judgment about you. And that is probably the hardest thing. And especially I am certainly a people pleaser that is in my blood. And so I had to do a lot of work internally to just decide it's okay. Like people can judge me. My own mother judges me and I've let that be okay. Like she (laughs) thinks I don't buy the right gifts or do the right things. And I'm like, that's okay, mom. It's fine. And, and it is fine. (laughs) And you know, she gets to decide if she wants to buy my kids a bunch of presents. And then I get to decide what I do with those presents. (laughs) So, you know, there's been a dance over the years and, you know, I mean, there have certainly been challenges along the way. Like my first daughter, we now have two daughters, but she was the first granddaughter on both sides of the family, the first grandkid. And so everybody wanted to buy her all the things all the time. And my husband and I tried a million nice ways of saying no, and people just did what they were going to do. And so at a certain point, we just decided all right, we can graciously accept gifts and then we can decide if we want to donate them. And, you know, that gets harder as your kids get older, but, you know, we have little hacks like having our kids think of like one really expensive 
super like high ticket, nice present that they want. And then having the entire family go in on that. And so that's been really helpful instead of getting like 32 gifts, they get like an iPad or a bike. And so it's clutter-free, but it's still something they're super excited about. That that. that sounds so freeing. I can't even tell you. (laughs) Could I actually do that? Like, could I, I would like, I would feel like I was pulling my pockets out of my pants. Like we have, okay, it's Christmas morning. One thing, (laughs) I guess we can have time with each other. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But here's the other thing is like, I, I think part of my values clarification for the holidays specifically was I realized like what I cared about for the holidays was having a joyful, connected holiday season. And so we have a lot of great traditions around food. We love food. We love parties. We love celebrating. And that is what I wanted my kids to take away from the holidays is not like 97 gifts that they don't need. And so that has helped also to have something that you really do care about and you feel invested in like having an annual holiday party or like super special rituals with your family. Yeah. And our listeners, they know one of our go-to tools that we use is asking really good questions. Loved this about your book that you start out saying like, we're going to ask some good questions and this (laughs) people line up with their values. Right. So you explain how a woman who hired you, she felt this deep shame about her cluttered space and it was preventing her from engaging in the life she wanted. And I loved just that phrase, preventing her from engaging in the life that she wanted. It's just something that you can kind of internalize. And so she came to you seeking help because she wanted a different result, right? She wanted this different life. Yeah. And she wanted to host and create memories with music and friends and all of those type of things. And so you started with these really good questions. So can you tell us what are the top three questions you advise your clients to ask themselves when they're getting started on this work? Yeah. Number one, I would just say, what do you want to create space for? Like period in your life. And, and people forget to ask themselves that question. I think a lot because we're so busy and we're so overstimulated and we all just feel self-included, like we're on automatic pilot, Mm -hmm. but I think slowing down and actually asking yourself and kind of meditating on that question what do you want to create space for in your life? What would that be? Is that more connection? Is that a bigger career? Is it more travel? Is it more contribution? What is the thing that's kind of calling to you right now? And then I think the other two, I would just ask simply, like, what do you want more of in your life? And what do you want less of in your life? I do that once a year on New Year's Eve. I write that down for myself and really think about it. And it's so helpful just to get that clarity. Like I spend a lot of time on social media, but that's not really what I'm wanting to spend my time on. So when I look at like, what am I actually spending my time on versus what do I want to be spending my time on? That can be very clarifying for people. Just the, what do you want more of? What do you want less of in your life? Yeah. Those are good questions. And so I'm going back to the holidays again, because I feel like those are approaching upon all of us. And also a time where at least for me, it's harder to control some of those impulses to consume. And I think it's just because like you give yourself a little bit of a free pass, like, Oh, it's the holidays or I'm hosting Thanksgiving or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And, and 
I, of course I need new placemats for the whole table because yeah, of course, <laughs> you know, yeah, even though it'd be a better host, right. If I have new placemats for one day yeah, or like, for sure. oh, we don't have all matching silverware, like for 16. So now I have to buy more silverware for six, you know, those mm-hmm. types of things that happen. And so those questions you just asked, I feel like I could obviously ask those and really apply those to specific scenarios. But also, I'm just curious if you, because I know you've helped so many people, like, is there something that you have a go-to method of answering those impulses to kind of be in control, like using our higher brain as yes. we enter into the hall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I would start by just asking, like, how do you want to spend your precious time, energy, and money this holiday season? What does that look like for you? And then one that really helps me is just asking, how do I want to feel? Like, how do I want to feel this holiday season? Because I think most people feel frenetic, overwhelmed, right? And that's just kind of the default. And we've almost grown to just like that's socially acceptable that like the holidays are coming, we're going to freak out. (laughs) And I think again, just questioning that. Do we have to freak out? Do we have to go buy the new placemats? I always think for me, when I think about how do I want to feel, I want to feel connected mm-hmm. and I want to feel love towards my family and my friends. And that's what I want to create. And so when I really think about that, then the gifts are kind of irrelevant for me. It's really about gathering. And then you can also ask like, how do I want my guests to feel and put the energy on that of like welcoming them and being a good host. And maybe there's rituals or foods or music or things that you can do to curate like an amazing experience for them. But it really, we have a big holiday party every year and it's just kids running around in circles, screaming and music and food and we have ice cream sandwiches and everyone has the best time and there's no presence at our party. And like nobody, I don't think anyone even notices, but like, I don't expect hostess gifts. I don't give gifts. It's literally just, we want to gather and connect and be together and have fun. So I think asking yourself prior to the holidays, using that wise part of your brain. How do I want to feel? What do I want to create for my family or my community? And what does that look like? And and maybe gifts are part of that tradition for you that there's no judgment, but just really being intentional about how you're spending your money, how you're spending your time. I like that you said precious, like your precious time. So limited. (laughs) Yeah. If you like put that in the sentence, I think it really kind of like, oh, Mm. like wakes you up a little bit. Like, you know what? Yeah. And I can tell you, like I had a client who I think it took us three days to sort through all of her Christmas lights and ornaments. And by the time we were done, she was like, what am I doing? What is the point of this? Like, it is exhausting. I have to pay an organizer tons of money to help me organize all of this stuff that I've bought that's collected dust, that's tangled. And it like took all the joy out of her holiday season because she had made it so hard to decorate her house. And I was like, you know, in my house, we put up a little felt snowflake garland and light some candles. And she was like, that's a thing you can do. Like she just (laughs) didn't realize it was an option to not have 10,000 ornaments and 10,000 lights and five trees. And so I think it is again, 
just questioning. Mm -hmm. Do I really have to do this? Do I enjoy doing it? There are people that love decorating the tree and that's part of their thing. But if it's just exhausting to you, then don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And you really like walk everybody through your mindset in your book. It is so clear. It's so beautiful. And one of the things that we loved the most about it were these different amazing segments. And we were saying like, they remind us, the whole book reminds us of a magazine. Yeah. It's just so beautiful. So in these different segments, you have like key points in these little boxes. Yeah. Just like go to, you can find them right away. And they're kind of like bullet point style. And they're just quick takeaways. And we just kept flipping through it going, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, Shira. Yes. (laughs) Well, I'm so glad. Well, I feel like, I feel like we want to list some of them just to like whet your appetites. Everybody that's listening. Like, cause you're going to wish that you could, we're going to give you the bullet points and you're going to wish you could read more and then you're going to want the book. Okay. So here's a few of the titles, how to cultivate an abundant lifestyle. Editing questions, cheat sheet, your editing toolkit, five things to let go of now, five things you probably have too much of, a (laughs) note about shopping, organizing with kids, minimalistas manifesto, two editing styles and when to use them. Okay. And imagine none of those are like lengthy chapters. All of those are in little boxes that you can read in one minute and be like, oh my gosh. Yeah. They're all minimal, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. They're all yeah. Minimal. <laughs> exactly. She also didn't use cluttery words. <laughs> yes. well, it was really a struggle because I, this book is 320 pages. Like I had a lot to download in my brain, but the last thing I wanted was to have this overwhelming, big, chunky book for people. And right. I do credit my art director, I think really brilliantly laid out the book in these tiny little bite-sized pieces so that you could just flip to any page and find a quick little hack or a question to ask yourself. So I really wanted it to be like a toolkit that you can come back to a million times. And it's not a thing you have to sit down and read for weeks at a time. No, it's so digestible. It's so, yeah, you don't feel intimidated by it at all. And I think that is for at least my brain, like that's huge. If you're going to tell me that you're going to give me a book on organizing, I'm overwhelmed just hearing that <laughs> sentence. And so then to have it, to see it and be like, oh, actually, like, I just like want to sit and flip through this. This is very, I don't know. It like brings peace and motivation in a way that you wouldn't imagine from an organizational book. So you nailed it. Like, oh, it's really thank you so much. So good. That feels so good to hear. Yeah, we, we loved it. And interesting, my best friend from childhood is 40 and she's having her first baby. Mm. We're so excited for her, but you know, she's been working her whole life and, you know, she has her little house and everything. And she calls me and she's like, they handed me this registry. I don't know what to do. She's like, I have 12 things on it. I'm like, that sounds perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stick yeah, to the 12 sure. things. Stick to it. Yeah. But one of the things I was telling her was I was referring to your book and I was like, you know what? For your registry, I'm going to get you a sheer course. That's oh. what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm so going to get you a sheer course. And for the baby, I'm going to get you guys like music classes. Yeah. Love you that. know, I'm going to get yeah. you the mommy and me gym or whatever. Like some, let's do some experiences because same thing happened to her. She walks in, she sees this list. She's like, 
I right. scanned 12 things and I left. I was like, get me out of here, <laughs> you know? And so totally. I've really been referring to a lot of your things and it just reminds you what a great gift, like your book is or your courses are yes. just really phenomenal things and not cluttered. Right. Yeah, right. It's what an experience. It's growth. It's yes. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. So Shira, tell us when is your book coming out? How can we pre-order it? Where do we find it? Where do we find it? And also tell us why you wrote it. I'm curious why you wrote it. Yeah. Well, I wrote it. I mean, I think in the professional organizing world, I realized it really is a luxury service, right? Like this is not something that everybody can afford. It's something that most people would love to have, but it's like a nice to have. And I really thought, okay, people spend thousands of dollars to work with me one-on-one. What if for 30 bucks, they could get my entire process and toolkit from anywhere in the world. And so it really was just my desire to help more people at a very affordable price point. And I literally break down all of the things. Like I didn't hold back anything in this book. And so it even covers things like what to keep if somebody dies. And, you know, it, it has like the light stuff, but it also has heavier stuff. And I talk about life transitions and I talk about having kids and losing people and all of that life cycle stuff. And I just wanted to get everything that I had learned over the course of my career into kind of a single beautiful book that people could read at any time. And really the objective is just to help more people. I feel like I've learned so much and I've helped a lot of people, but I'd like to help even more. It's very exciting for me to have this book out in the world. And actually it will be out in the U S and Canada on November 2nd, which I think when this airs, it may even be out. Um, but it can be ordered anywhere books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, your bookstore, your mom and pop bookstore, really anywhere it's target all the places. So I actually think this episode is going to launch the day your book launches. It is. That's what I thought. That's so perfect. So it's pub date. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's so perfect. Okay. Well, Shira, I just wanted to note that I feel like the work that you do really goes so perfectly with the three wells that we always talk about our spiritual physical and emotional well-being and wanted to see if you had anything to say about that or any thoughts you had on how it affects those different areas of our well-being. Yeah. So I think of organization as like a radical form of self-care. And I think most people don't think of it that way. It's sort of this like nagging task on the to-do list, like, oh, I have to get organized. And I think part of why I love organization so much is I do treat it as a form of self-care. So I think when I organize and set myself up for success, I'm valuing what I care about. I'm clarifying my values. I'm making space for what matters in my life. So I think it really does touch on all of those things like mental health, emotional health, spiritual health. I think the more you have order and calm in your home and in your environment, the more you have to give the world um, and the people that you love. I think from it being an indulgent thing to get organized, I actually think it's something you can invest in for yourself that will serve the other people in your life and have this amazing ripple effect to the whole world. Perfect. Yep. Yeah. That is what we feel too. And that is exactly 
why we feel that this work is important. And we're so thankful for what you're doing. And we're so excited about the information that you've curated to put out as far as your courses and your books and stuff and something for us to just reference and think of as we think of purchasing gifts and stuff this season. So love that. Let's talk about our well looky here. Tell us what you're loving lately. Oh yeah. Okay. I even brought, I mean, nobody will see this, but you, but I brought a prop. So this is deodorant, <laughs> Yes. but it's checks all of the boxes and it has taken me a lifetime to find deodorant that is clean, but actually works and is very pretty. Oh, so this is now the stone deodorant. And I think it's so pretty. It's like a blush color. It's kind of rounded edges. Yeah. It does work, which, you know, a lot of natural deodorants, I think they don't work that well. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's like a win-win. So I'm telling all my girlfriends and all my people about this one. (laughs) That's a great one. That one looks so good. And sorry to ask some more details about it, but yeah, the actual stick, what's it like? Is it like, Ooh, let's open it up. So it's like round. Yeah. It's like a round, like, what do you call this? A gel? I don't know. It's not it kind of gel. Tell. Is it gel or solid? Is it's, it like chalky? Like, no, no, it's okay. It's solid, but it's clear. So I'm like, what oh. do you call that? So it doesn't like no stains, no white chalky, anything. I don't know if you can see, but it I, is now like I can call oh, that like invisible. Oh yeah. You're right. That's the right lighting to see oh, it. Now yeah. we can there see we it. go. Yeah. So it's completely transparent. So you can't get it on your clothes. Oh, that's great. And it glides on easy. So good. It's this is bergamot and eucalyptus, but they make it unscented, but it's like fresh and light and lovely. I actually found this because of my brother, which is hilarious. He wears a different scent, but he's always scouting because he's like the real minimalist in the family. He has like three things. And so the things that he buys are always the best. The best. <laughs> and I don't have time to do the research, but he was like, oh, this is the best deodorant. Um, <laughs> so thank you, Max. Um, so this is my wreck. And then my other wreck is the water bottle that you got me that I would like scream from the rooftops about. Oh, oh we're good. so glad. Good. Well, good. I, I'm so glad you're telling us about that deodorant. We just had this discussion this morning, my husband and I, and he's like, you realize we're sending our 13 year old daughter out into the world stinky every day because of the stupid natural deodorant. (laughs) This is a good one for the kids because it's like a non-toxic, which we love. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And it's like, for whatever reason, the stuff I probably just, cause she's the age she is, but it's like, they work for me. I'm like, they're fine, but, but we need to maybe get something. But so I'm going to try that one for her. Try it out. Let me know. Report back. I just started using it, but I, I mean, I think it's aesthetically on point and so far so good. <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. Well, Shira, we're so thankful for your time. Oh, best have ever to have you. Here. I don't ha- I was just going to have ours be Shira. I know. <laughs> I was going to say, I, know, well, come on. And I totally screwed up out of order because my well looky here was going to be giving your courses. Yes. That's uh, right. Yeah. So I just, Hey, you know. we've said it. You guys know that's what we want to tell you about today is the Shira Gill worth every penny. <laughs> yes, absolutely. She's our relative here. So thanks. Oh, again, this is so fun. So much fun. Thank you for having me. We're yes. so excited for you. Yeah. This is just so exciting. Did people come to you to ask to author the book or were you like seeking out where you like, I got to write a book? Yeah, it was a funny process. It was, I was getting published a lot. And so I had a yeah. few people reach out to me and say, have you ever thought about writing a book? And 
I was like, well, it's kind of a bucket list thing, but I wasn't actively pursuing it. And then I got an agent who said, well, why don't I work with you to develop your concept? And so I actually worked with my literary agent for about nine months. That was like the most excruciating part of the whole process. That was harder than writing the book is just figuring out the structure and what do I want to say that hasn't been said before? You know, there's so many great books on organizing and there's great books on minimalism. And I think I realized I wanted to combine it all. I wanted to combine life coaching, home organizing, minimalism and style. And I hadn't seen that kind of unique combination done before. So that really is unique to you. Thank you. Yeah. So when that kind of clicked, then it was like, okay, now I feel like I'm actually ready to write this book, but it was a process. (laughs) It took many years, nine months. Wow. Just to go over concept. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That was the hardest part was just nailing down the like, what do I have to say that's different? How am I going to say it? And then ironing out that structure because there was so much to say and I didn't want to overwhelm the people. So it was like, how do I get all this information out in a way that is really bite-sized mm-hmm. and digestible yeah. and approachable? So that was, once we figured that out, then it was kind of a breeze and really fun to write, but it was, it took some doing to get there. Yeah, well, it translates. Yeah. You can You can feel all the hard efforts. Yeah. That we're so proud it. of you. Yeah. And it's we're awesome. so excited for everybody else who gets to bring a book home with them. They're going to be, Oh yeah. That's definitely yeah, going to be just as my excited. girl gift this year. Yeah. Like for all my sister-in-laws. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. It'll be great. Oh, good. Thank you. Thank you, Shira. Thanks so much for your time. Yes. And Oh, tell us where they can follow you otherwise. Oh yeah. Why not? So yeah. um, you can follow me. My website is just my name, shiragill.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at shiragill for lots of tips and advice and tricks. Yes. Perfect. All right. right. Shira. Thank Thanks again. Have the best Thank day. You, and you too. Be well. <laughs>